Welcome to the Yours is the Story podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Julia. And I'm Jill. This is a storytelling podcast that entertains, encourages, and points you to Jesus. Hi, guys. This is part two of our conversation with the one and only Pastor Julia DiMazio. She is, my goodness, like her stories are absolutely inspiring. She's incredible. If you did not get the chance to listen to part one yet, I'd actually recommend jumping over there now, turn this off, jump over there and listen to it because that story was super inspirational and sharing about um, some of the crazy wild seasons that she has gone through in her life and um, her response to that, choosing to put her full trust in God, get healthy, still be there for others, but um, ultimately listening to God and actually ending up starting her church, Rose Church. So super inspirational story. And then this part two is actually going to be talking more about the wild journey of starting Rose Church and all the different things that was to come through through that starting um, with her husband, Andrew. So I would recommend um, jumping over there, listen to that, and then listen to part two here. I hope you enjoy and are as inspired as I was. It's been a wild ride. We had every building like not want us to be there. And so we ended up renting from a bar. And uh, that was our first location where we grew. We grew out of that. And then we went to a yoga studio right by a train track. So literally every time. Yeah. So every time the train went by, like, uh, you know, during worship, you know, the the whole screen is shaking. Uh, You know, we would call it Thomas the Tank Engines coming by. Andrew would make that joke every week. Um, But those crate trains are like 20 minutes long. So it's just like everyone's pretending that it's not happening right during an altar call, you know. So, uh, man, we've had some fun times. But, um, Anyway, yeah, so when we were at the yoga studio, there was a guy that called Andrew and was like, hey, do you want to come look at this building? This guy is trying to sell it, and he wants to sell it to a young church, and we had, like, zero money, and we were only two years old at the time, and uh, anyway, so we went we went and saw this building, like, literally that day that we got the call. We, went with, we were in a staff meeting, and so we went to this building, and I just felt, again, that peace and that tug at my heart, like, this is yours. So our staff, we all laid hands on the building, like weird, like we were weird Christians, right? We like laid our physical hands on the the sides of that building and we were like, in Jesus name, if this is ours, Lord, make a way. And then, uh, so the guy that was selling the the, the church, he lived there and he rented it to different churches and he lived there for like 35 years or so. Wow. And uh, he's like, whatever the building's appraised for, I'll give it to you for half. Whoa. And so the building was appraised for about $4 million. He's like, okay, so I'll give it to you for half. And Andrew's like, okay, cool, man. We still don't have $2 million. <laughs> we don't have even proof of two-year income. Um, so anyway, we found this Christian bank that Pastor Jude uses and Pastor Dave Patterson and yeah, anyway, so it ended up being that they they take a chance on a church every year, like one church, and they have to interview, like, your whole staff. Like, the bank comes, like, they fly in, and they interviewed all of us. They, Dude, like, to so see cool. if, like, yeah, they're, they like, to see if we were, like, legit, and they're, like, okay, we're going to take a chance on you, and they gave us the loan, and um, Pastor Dave helped with that and all that. Like, he kind of vouched for us in a sense, and saved us um and our church raised five hundred thousand to uh, 
renovate the building and it was wild because we had like only baristas people were calling their grandmas like hey can you give us money like it was a wild time and so much of our faith again it was like a growing like wow like God is moving in our church and all this stuff all this momentum two Sundays later COVID hits and we were locked out uh, you know, we couldn't go to our building. Our neighbors were calling the police anytime somebody walked into our building. It was insane. Um, so it was, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was yeah. just miracles, the momentum. And then we were shut down for a year. For a year. So, so yeah, it was so wild. crazy. I, okay, so when, um, I, so I don't know if you knew this, but Sam and I live in Florida now. And yes. yeah, we live in Jacksonville Beach, but when we were living in Seattle, me and my friends, we like to go to Portland just, you know, like every, like once a month or something. It was just fun to just go on the drive and get food and whatnot. And But we would always purposely go on a Sunday. So that way we could go to Rose Church just because we <laughs> loved, we loved the energy there. And I specifically, like, I honestly don't know how to describe it, but I think I've gone three or four times, but every single time, like, I felt like the worship was just unreal. Mm. Like, I just, like, that's, like, why, like, obviously the preaching is amazing, too. But there was just something about the worship. I was, like, it just feels, like, so different and, like, the energy here. And it was just so amazing. But so I'm curious, like, how was that shift with COVID, like, the energy? Like, it's just crazy because, yeah. It was kind of, like, we had so much momentum. It was um, it was devastating. It was like almost like a whirlwind came, and we were just like walking in the rubbles of a beautiful renovated building. Like, cause our, you know, all leading up to that opening Sunday, like we had everyone. It was like such a team camaraderie. We like our whole team. We we were like painting rooms together, and and making the building all beautiful, opening Sunday, one more Sunday, it was, like, packed out, mm-hmm. and then we're, like, really, God? What What in the world? Like, why would you play with me? You know, like, I felt yeah. like we were played, um, and that's, you know, when everyone's getting mad at, are you opening, are you closed? Like, well, you since you closed, you bowed your knee to Nebuchadnezzar, so we're leaving, and, mm-hmm. and well, if you had a you had a couple meetings, so you obviously aren't taking this serious. You know, you couldn't please anyone. That's mm-hmm. also when all the race stuff was happening, and nobody was happy. Every it was like fear. It was hurt. It was it was chaos. Um, I hated that season of my life, um, and also I was like living. We were like kind of living a little bit away from the the building in an old house. It was filled with mold didn't know that um but I was like I think had mold toxicity it was like I literally couldn't get out of my bed I was so depressed I was grieving I was like why did we start this like all of those natural things I'm like this is horrible how are we going to survive uh why would God do this to us like I literally felt like the Lord just came and like took the rug underneath our feet And I'm like, how many times are you going to do this to me, Lord? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, so I definitely had, I like to call it the angry conversations with God. And 
and I just let him know, like, I'm not happy with you. Like, I know you're good, but this is not good. Uh, you know, like all of those things. And, um, and I remember Andrew towards the end of that season was just like, no, we're going to start, we're going to open up and I don't care if it's 20 people I'm canceling online. So he literally sold all of our online equipment and he's like, we're not doing this. We're not an online church. Like people need to gather. People need to come wear a hazmat suit. I don't care. We're starting church. And when Andrew did that, we were the only church in Portland that opened and you know, it's, I thought it was going to be like, I thought no one was going to show up, but like, I think the first time it was like 150 and then the next weekend it was like 200, you know, like it just slowly grew. Um, but like literally I think like Easter, this Easter that we just had, we were like back to what we were went right before we closed from COVID. So I feel like just now it's like, now we're over what we were right before we closed at our at that building opening. Um, so it it was a it was a dark season, I think, for everybody. I think that's that was just those type those two years were just just the unknowns. Uh, it was very scary. Um, but what we did uh, coming back into it, we we just slowly reopened and. Um, we just made the main things the main thing, worship and uh, preaching. And then we started adding a pursuit night on Thursday nights. Um, we do it. We used to actually do it every Thursday because we wanted uh, basically a stream. We, 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 we picture worship and, and prayer, all of these things. But on a Sunday, on a corporate Sunday, it's so hard to fit everything in, you know, so we started pursuits, and we kind of allowed, allowed to take just more time just to worship and to pray. And we started finding that our Sunday moments during worship were actually, we would hit that moment way better because of the pursuits, because our church kind of learned, okay, this is what free praise is, this is what the song of the Lord is, or this is what mm-hmm. prophecy is. Um and so when we had like spiritual moments on a Sunday, we kind of looked back and they're like, oh, well, that's actually from our pursuit nights. If we didn't have that river started flowing, like our undercurrents, the springs on the Sunday wouldn't pop up. So it was, um, that was also like a faith move. Like we didn't really have the people, but we were like, hey, we're going to start these pursuit nights. And people just started showing up and our prayer team would come and wow. pray before. And so uh, now we just do pursuit nights every Thursday night, but um, I find that like the extended worship and prayer is like the engine room for for our church, and um, we have intercessors that pray every every Thursday together as a team. And uh, but prayer, you know, the main things, the main things, worship and prayer are what fuels the church, uh, the, and and good and good food, you know, good meaty. <laughs> meaty uh uh sermons that you know direct you challenge you and make you better so yeah Yeah. okay I have two questions Sam and I actually just became the youth pastors at our church oh I love that yeah in November so when you were talking about being in youth ministry in that role for eight years um obviously this is kind of like a loaded question so just like whatever comes to um, your mind first. But 
I was just wondering if you had like um if you could give like a new youth pastor like a, like one piece of advice what would it be just um and like I need that encouragement since we just stepped into it um or just something that you really feel like youth like one of the best things youth ministry taught you and then I would also love to hear just about like you stepping into like preaching and stuff because I mm. love your sermons Me too. so much <laughs> and Me too. I just love the way you preach and I think it would just be really cool to hear um just kind of the story about like from going like did you picture yourself preaching on stage when you started going to bible college or did that develop when you were like hey we're gonna start a church like when when do you feel like God really placed like that calling on your life of like you're gonna be on stage with a microphone? Wow, Julia, all the questions. Oh um, man, sorry. Sorry. no, it's great. It's great. Um, man, I give you so much credit for being a youth pastor in this time period because it's a different ball game. Because our kids, we had like Instagram, were just kind of well, Instagram was just taking off, but now it's like. You have kids that are on TikTok. You have yeah. kids that are on, you know, they're older. You know, yeah. they're younger, but they're older um, yeah. than the kids that I was youth pastoring. Um, and so that is a challenge in its own. So you are actually, I think, you're paving a way that that I, I have never, you know, had to pave that way. I know for me, when Andrew and I were youth pastors, like, I – I think investing in the, in your students' lives and really caring about them, like they can they they can sense uh, when you're not totally into them. Like mm. so many people, I remember at Bible college were just so inauthentic. Like they just wanted to preach. They just wanted to yeah. be the star. And I think you know, eventually it's shattered from the rooftops, like what's done in secret, what's done in private, right? So it's like, I think now, like having having a look back, like I'm so thankful that Andrew and I kept the main thing, the main thing, and people are our calling. And we truly authentically loved our students. And we thought it was way cooler to be with them than anybody else. <laughs> like, mm -hmm, yeah. um, and those kids will never, ever, like, I don't, they'll never forget someone truly believing in them. And, like, now, like, half of our students are, like, in our youth, in, in our, on our leadership team now because, you know, of those invested years. And yeah, like, I would so never, cool. yeah, and now they're getting married and having kids. And I'm like, wow, like, praise God. Some of them, you know, found, found the Lord and really stuck and clung to him. But, yeah. like, I remember praying for kids at the altar and like just having those moments like praying and showing up at their games and just making it about the the main thing, like being the people that we never had, you know, growing up. Like I never had leaders that were like picking me up and talking me off, like off a cliff after a breakup. Like I wish I had those people. So I just, for a lot of my life pastorally, I was just trying to be somebody that I never had. Yeah. And, um, and I also, I think in our generation of like, just wanting to be seen, it's like, I am, I embraced, like, I don't care if people know this about me or not. Like, this is just what I'm called to do and I'm going to kill it. Like, I'm going to love these students. 
I'm going to love this city that God's put me in. And man, we were a part of that city that we pastored in. And it was, we would be at every graduation, soccer game, football game, Friday night. Like we're there, like we're hugging students. We're making it a party wherever we go. And I think you and Sam have that on you guys. You guys are like, you know, everyone flocks to you naturally. And that's a part of like leadership. It's like, you can't really, you either have that or you don't. You and Sam for sure, a hundred percent have it. And you really truly care about everybody in your, in your little circle. Authentically you care. And I feel like it's, I, it's disappointed me when I've seen people take ministries and they just care about the platform. They don't care about the sheep, you know? Yeah. But man, I don't know pastoring in this, you, you really need the Holy spirit way more yeah. um, because it's like this wisdom of, of parenting because you're kind of like a parent, you're kind of like mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I don't know. I don't know. You're going to need a lot more wisdom than, than I needed. I mean, but it's, it's hard because like you're literally, nobody's done this ahead of you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah with like <laughs> the social media and all the stuff. Yeah, the overload yeah. of just information and it's like, oh, like even like preparing for sermons and that whole thing. Um, I'll talk about like when I was at PBC, I remember there, I felt at Bible college, there were so many people that just wanted something to say, like they just wanted to say something. Mm-hmm. but I felt like like when I got to PBC and you know I I was ready to be like at the worship uh, I wanted to study worship and I was you know I got to registration and the Holy Spirit says you're actually not going to touch your microphone for two years nobody's going to oh. know that you can sing Whoa. and I, and yeah, I was like so no. cool. yeah but in my mind I was like wait like, excuse me excuse me <laughs> like what Lord? like <laughs> You you gave me, like, I felt like this is what I was supposed to do. This is why I moved here, because it was, like, the cheapest uh, worship leading <laughs> school you could go to. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, and the Holy Spirit's like, nope, nobody's going to know you can sing. And so, you know, like, when you're in church and, like, you can hear, like, the person behind you that's just like, huh, like, you're like, shut up. Like, I can yeah. tell you just want to show that you can lead worship and be yeah. on stage right now. So, like, I even felt, like, so convicted in my heart, like, the Holy Spirit was like, you're not even going to do that. Like, you're not, you like, if, if you're in chapel or if you're at church, like, keep it quiet. Like, you're not, like, isn't that crazy? Yeah, and so I, I, no one knew that you think. No one knew. No one knew. And then, um, and then I, but at our, at our school, in every classroom, there's a piano. So I remember everyone would go to lunch and then I would go to my piano. And honestly, for a while, like it was just like, I don't think anyone knew, but Andrew must have heard me. So the first time he ever preached, he had me like side mic with, I think it was like one of the pastors was leading and I was like side micing. And he asked, he's like, oh, I heard you singing the other day. Do you want to sing for my session? So the first time Andrew ever spoke at a session he asked me to sing, and I remember I was so excited. I was like, "Oh my gosh, maybe Andrew likes me." Oh my gosh! And then I see, and then I see his girlfriend in the front row. And they, but they were broken up at the time. But I was like, "Wait, are they back together?" And I was devastated. So I was really like worshiping with a broken heart that day. Um, and Andrew, of course, killed it. But then I was like, 
And then he started texting me after that, like, so much. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I I think I really love him. Oh, my gosh. And then, yeah, we got together. But, yeah, <laughs> so, so yeah, so, but, no, I never, I never thought, like, oh, my gosh, I want to preach. I want to, but I remember there was one, one of these, uh, they had a worship night at our church, and a lady came up to me, and she pointed to the stage. She, like, had a prophetic word, and I love I love churches with like, you know, the super saints that, you know, they just been, they've been praying. You can just tell they got something on them and they're just like, I gotta, you know, as I was like, uh, this lady's coming up to me speaking in tongues. And I was like, Oh, this is, Oh, she's going to give me a word. And she's like, uh, she's like, I just see you with a microphone and you're not singing, you're preaching. And I don't, she didn't know I could sing either, but she was just like, she, but she said that it was weird. And mm-hmm. I was like, um, and she's like, you're going to speak with authority and blah, 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 blah. And I was, that was the first time I ever, but I remember at Bible college, you know, as I grew with God and whatever, and Andrew and I were dating and I just remember getting prophetic pictures and like words. And then the Holy Spirit started being like, okay, I want you to give this word to that person. Or I want you to say this to the group. So we would have open chapels on Fridays. And I remember I would have like a word and I'd share it. And so, like, I would have, like, you know, just little moments, but it, but yeah. I'm not thinking, oh, I'm going to preach, you know. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, as Andrew and I got married and we're youth pastoring, I would just, like, give, like, exhortations. And that's kind of, I honestly feel more comfortable exhorting on a scripture. Like, hey, this is, you know, for God so loved the world. I mean, isn't that amazing that God loved us? Like, you know, like, I like, just yeah. give me, like, a little verse. Like, I am golden. I'm in pocket. But to preach a sermon, my God, it is strenuous, it is digging, it is chiseling, it is it is not easy. Um, you know, and I want to do it well. I'm definitely a perfectionist and Enneagram 3, so obviously I feel yeah. like the whole world is falling apart if I do a sucky job. And, you know, and I've had yeah. those sucky moments where I'm like, wait, why am I, why did I just say that? What, you know, so, but Andrew is such a, he is, he is my he is my uh, pillar, and he he's like so like pro women speaking and women having a voice in church. And I think his dad is that way, and his mom is an amazing communicator. So Andrew is never like, you know, like I, I want you over here in the corner, and women should be silent, and you know all that kind of. He's like, yeah. you're preaching, I'm gone. So you know, but usually, honestly, it's horrible because when Andrew's gone, then he has me speak, but I'm like oh, I have all your three children, I have my crazy house with all this laundry, and I have to study, and, you know, it's just, like, I I can't wait for the days where I can just, like, fully spend my time in studying, and, like, I, I hope to one day get to the point where I'm not having a panic attack right before I speak, let's just say that. Okay, so, but, yeah. okay, I listened to one of your sermons recently, um, and it's so funny you were saying that with the kids and stuff because you were talking about like the mosquitoes in the house or something. Like, oh god! I was, like swatting or like swatting the fly, you know. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, the fruit flies. Yeah. yeah, I remember that one. Oh man, that was annoying. Yeah, <laughs> I was mean. Real. 
Yeah, Julia, you are superwoman. It, like, I know I said that at the beginning, but it's absolutely the truth. And with God's grace on your life. And okay, I hate this phrase more than anything, but I like kept feeling it like as you were talking. I, I so just get ready to cringe. That's why I'm saying I hate it. But it's, um, <laughs> it's uh, what is it? It's like God gives his toughest battles for his like strongest soldiers. <laughs> but I just see that so much in your life. Like God knew that he had wow. so much for you, you know, even when, um, you know, even when you're in New York and then he, you know, has called you to, you know, Bible college and just the journey he's brought yeah. you on. It's like, he's brought you through a lot, but I love that, like that he has made you victorious and made your church, you know, continue to shine and reach so many people in, in a difficult city. Like this is not Texas yeah. where you're planning a church where this no. is every corner. Yeah. It is a hard city and you guys are doing it so beautifully and so well. Um, so yeah, we're really we're cheering you on and really proud of you. And um, yeah, we've been listening to your sermons too. And you are such a powerful preacher and communicator of God's word. Oh, thank you, Jill. It's, you yeah. know, I, I'm trying to make it better. I'm trying to get better, but I honestly, no, so good. <laughs> I, we're, we're getting there. One day I, I will not cringe listening to myself, but usually <laughs> I hide behind the couch crying and I'm like, why? But it's okay. I'll get, I'll, I'll not, I'll not do that one day. One day. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Yours is the Story podcast. We really want to hear stories from you. You can email us at yoursthestory at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. We'll see you next time.